0: Tim Ray. Good evening to everyone. This is Ham Talk Live, episode number eight. The Palmyra the expedition with Craig Thompson K9CT recorded live on Thursday, April 7th, 2016. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight on the show, Craig Thompson K9CT will be here to talk about co-leading the recent Palmyra Atoll, the Expedition K5P. It will take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week on the big show, Rosalie White, K1STO, was here to talk about taking amateur radio into space aboard the International Space Station. If you missed that show or any future show, you can listen to the replay on hamtalklive.com or on Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, or YouTube. We're everywhere, just... Search for Hamtalk Live. Tonight we want to take your calls as always, so in just a few minutes be ready to call in. You can call us on Skype at the username Hamtalk Live, or it's very simple, you can just use your telephone. The number to call is 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-NET-HAM-1, that's 812-638-4261. Need to tell you about some exciting plans we have coming up soon. Our Dayton Hamvention preview will start in just two weeks. Uh, next week, Don Wilbanks AE5DW is brave enough to return. He's going to talk about the Bill Pasternak Young Ham of the Year Award by Amateur Radio Newsline, and then uh, the following week we will start our Dayton Hamvention preview, where each week we will feature something that's been or that's going to be happening. Uh, At Hamvention this year, we'll be joined by the general chairman of Hamvention, the spokesperson, the awards chair, and a couple of the forum presenters. And uh, the night before Hamvention, uh, just uh, announcing this, we will be broadcasting live from Dayton with you, the listeners. You'll have a chance to visit a live broadcast of the show if you're already in Dayton, or you can call in while you're on your way to Dayton or stuck at home. So keep listening and watch our Facebook and Twitter feed for all the details on that. My guest this evening is Craig Thompson, K9CT from Trivoli, Illinois, not too far from Peoria. Craig is an extra class license holder and been a ham for 48 years. He has a degree in electronics engineering technology from Bradley University, as well as worked toward an MBA. After serving as operations manager and vice president of a small company, Craig started his own business in 1980. Thompson Electronics Company is a solutions provider for security, communications, audio-video, fire alarm systems, for industrial, government, education, hospital, and religious markets in central Illinois. His combination of ham radio and electronics career has Allowed him to build an impressive contesting station and participate in several de expeditions. His latest journey was co leading a trip at the end of January to Cooper Island in the Palmyra Atoll, located a thousand miles south of Hawaii. The Nature Conservancy bought Palmyra in 2000 from the Fullard Leo family, who had previously turned down offers to have the atoll used as a nuclear waste site and a casino. What a combination. <laughs> Today, Paul Byra is a national marine monument, and the Conservancy and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are partnering to protect it. So, Craig, welcome to Ham Talk Live this evening. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, and thank you for, um, for joining us. I know you had to... Um, to leave a uh, a dinner a little early so i we appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, to join us tonight uh, first why don't you just give us uh, a, a little rundown of of how you got started in ham radio
1: well like a lot of probably listeners of the same age as i we lived in a, a time when math and science in school were really uh, emphasized because it was the space race with Sputnik having been launched and we were going to be on the moon. And uh, I was always intrigued with technology and science and that sort of thing. So uh, my father surprised me one day, actually on my birthday when I was uh, young, uh, maybe 12 years old or so, and gave me some ham radio books. And I read them and uh, over, the, over time uh, learned the code on my own. I don't believe I ever heard code. I I just had the radio telegraph code book from ARRL and I figured out what it sounded like. And, and uh, my, my parents found a family that lived in a neighboring village and they took me over there and I met the, uh, the husband and wife were both hams and uh, the lady uh, was w W9 USR. Uh, Lucy Hilbert was her name. And uh, she had me sit down in front of her Collins and I, my jaw dropped and we listened to CW and we practiced code for a little bit. And she says, why don't you come back in a couple of weeks and we'll take the test. So that's how I got started. And of course, after I saw a beautiful Collins station and uh, a really nice people, I wanted to be a ham radio operator. So that's how I got started. <laughs> and uh, you know, when I, when I decided to go to school uh, after co- uh, high school, I, I picked Bradley University because that's I wanted to study electrical engineering technology. And lo and behold, they had a ham radio station there. And I quite kiddingly tell people that I majored in ham radio and I minored in electrical engineering. And <laughs> we we had uh, – in fact, I still have friends today from that. In fact, one of the guys that was in my club actually works for me to this day. And uh, we were friends for life, but uh, we – it was a great time, and uh, I learned how to DX. I learned how to contest uh, with that group. And uh, so that was a great way to get started in ham radio. And I think a lot of people that are probably in my age uh, probably started in a similar fashion. So ham radio has been good to me uh, because it got me into a technical career and actually you know, helped me get interested in, in the business that I'm in. And so I've never been in RF except for a hobby and, uh, and i do other things that are not rf related in my business so that's how i've kept them separate but they're all electrical <laughs> yeah. electronics you know so
0: absolutely yeah and, and i know the uh the, the club at bradley is still going because we we hear them uh during school club roundup a lot uh yeah at my job so uh
1: in fact, I, i've been visiting them uh, i invited them out to my contest station and uh in fact we invited one of them out to operate and a couple of weeks after that and uh which was very cool i just i i love young people and it was a great And I, and i know you do too neil and but i actually went back and visited the club at, at their station they still have the same antenna that we put on the university oh wow building. yeah and uh so anyhow i'm uh trying to help them uh get some equipment and get them uh, more modernized but they actually have an active club now so i'm very happy for that
0: yeah yeah that's great and uh, yeah it might be time for a for a new antenna yes Uh, sir just just maybe so so tell us how you got into
1: uh the the expeditions well you know that's that's uh that's interesting, and it's also challenging because I, I, I get often asked by people. In fact, I just got an inquiry today from somebody that certainly competent and qualified enough to go on a de-expedition, but um, uh, I, I, I decided I wanted to do that. I, I just uh, you, The skill set is uh, learned by contesting um, because you need to make accurate, uh, fairly rapid contacts. Uh, when you're on these trips because you're you have a limited amount of time. so i I really liked contesting. and uh, so i f- I figured that I had some of the skills necessary to actually go on a trip like that. And some of my friends had been on trips like this before, and I listened to many of their presentations, and I thought, you know this this is maybe a way I can give back to ham radio is to participate because these when you go on as a team member, you're, you uh, uh, are obligated to financially contribute. You're obligated to help out and to be a good team member. And so, um, you know, not every young person can do that because, you know, it, when you're young, it, you don't have enough money. You're taking, you're raising your family and building a career, and and you don't have the time because you have to work every day. So, I had reached a point in my life where I felt I had the time and I had some extra money and and maybe had the skills. So, I started looking around. For opportunities, and uh, uh, I'd made a connection with someone that had gone on some expeditions, and this is probably the right way to do it: is to network with people that you know uh, go on trips. And he called uh, this fellow called me up one day, and he said, "There's an opportunity to go, and uh, this is what's what's involved." And so uh, that's how I got connected, is from networking, and uh, that was. Uh, the uh, expedition to Cocos Island, which was very interesting. It was quite challenging because uh, the license was canceled before we got to the island. Actually, before we got to the country, we'd already left. We'd flown out, and they, they canceled the license. So I oh, learned my. a lot about political issues, and uh, 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 we had to meet – actually had to go to San Jose, uh, Costa Rica, uh, and uh, – Thank goodness we had a couple of very good Spanish-speaking people in our team, and we were able to uh, negotiate a license, and then uh, we also had to negotiate permission uh, to actually land on the island because it's a protected island. So uh, that was a real eye-opening experience for me. I learned a lot from that experience, and it was a boat ride. But subsequent to that, uh, I got involved uh, in a similar fashion to go to Midway Island, and that was an interesting process, because it was unusual in that you put your name on a list to be a team member, and I was asked to be a team member, and uh, that's how I got acquainted with a lot of the people I actually go on de-expeditions today, and um, when I, the, the next de-expedition I did, I actually co-led with one of the other operators on that team, that uh, Joe uh, W-A-G-E-X, and I uh, co-led several of the expeditions and uh, he. we both had uh, different qualities that we brought uh, to the table and I like managing projects which is what this is all about anyhow and uh, he was really great at PR, public relations, getting permission corresponding with people, uh, getting uh, great team members to, assembled, fundraising and uh, so that's how uh, I got involved in, in these projects. And of course uh, they're all very challenging. It's, uh, you learn a lot about geography. You, you learn a lot about logistics and raising money and why is, uh, why are things so expensive and, uh, dealing with foreign governments and even the U S departments, uh, like fish and wildlife, uh, can be very challenging. Um, But, you know, if if anybody ever gets a chance, uh, I would highly recommend that you have this experience so that you can appreciate (laughs) what uh, some of these guys go through to go on the expeditions for us DXers that like to work foreign countries. So, um, you know, it's like the guys that are on Hurt Island right now or down on Wanda Nova. Um, You know, they both have their challenges. One is very cold and the weather is extreme with high winds and uh, and they had to take many days by boat to get there. And the other team is uh, every day uh, dealing with high heat and uh, really rugged conditions. And uh, it's it's hard for us sitting in our nice home behind our, our radio appreciating the sometimes very difficult conditions that these guys have to go through. So uh, I think it's always good that anybody gets a chance to walk in the shoes of the people on the other end. Uh, so you can appreciate what these guys are doing for us.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you've had a chance to, uh, you know, you started off uh, leading and co-leading these uh, pretty early on, so you've, you've been thrown
1: right in. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, it's funny how that happens. Uh, uh, there's been some really interesting projects, and, and what happens is that the team members... Uh, are as intrigued as we are as leaders in, and what can we do next? And uh, we try to keep the same team members if we can, because we know that uh, we got along well, uh, that uh, who's a good operator, who's not a good operator, that sort of thing. But it's so important that everybody gets along because it's quite stressful when you are setting up in heat or not not the best conditions, or you have to be safe because landing uh, in coral and, uh, you know there's no medical help with you know very easy to get to and uh, we we often bring a medical doctor with us but there's so many things you have to think of uh, when you're the leader you're responsible for all of these things and you uh, uh, you have to think about all of that and uh, and and when we assemble a team we, we want to make sure that everybody's going to be safe and uh, everybody's quite aware so uh, when you look back uh, there's just kind of a history of of learning every time you go out and you learn from some of the best people in the world. I've been, uh, it's been an honor actually to be on some of these teams where there's the expeditions of the year, like K4 UEE, uh, I, he's a De expeditioner uh, 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 extraordinaire and W0GJ or K0IR or some of these guys, uh, are, have led the expeditions for years and, uh, you learn so much from, uh, going with them. Um, uh, so you know, as time goes on, uh, you you know uh, you learn from your mistakes, and you you try not to repeat anything, you know, and <laughs> just do a better job. So, yeah, and it's always a learning experience. Yep. And if you note, uh, like, if you just take a look at our website from uh, from Palmira Island, uh, that's uh, Palmira2016.org, and look at that, you'll see uh, the team that we assembled. But uh, not only that, if you Look at the volunteers that helped us. When you look, if you scroll down from the team members, you'll see the entire support team. We've had, uh, We like K6TU, Stu Phillips uh, has done a remarkable job with propagation forecasts. And you have to have all these logistical things with help. And when we go through Hawaii, when we went both to Wake and Midway and to uh, Swains Island, um, Palmyra, KH7U chemo chum has helped so many people uh, with with equipment on Hawaii and making sure it gets on the boats and gets to the planes and uh, uh, there's just a lot of great people that are willing to help out uh, actually all over the world so it's not just the team members that go a lot of times there's a lot of people that put together the website or uh, help pilot the team and make sure that we get. The right information, like it, was there an opening in Africa we missed, uh, or was there an opening in in uh, East Europe, Eastern Europe that we missed? Uh, um, so they we you just have to assemble a big team of and get a lot of information to do these things right. Not to mention all the cards. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I learned a lot of lessons. Um, I thought I would uh, do the QSL cards for uh, Paul Myra because I'm on the NCDXF board and I wanted to do a little research study on the effectiveness of OQRS and direct QSLing and LOTW and all of these different things. So I've been keeping track of, um, how well all of this has worked. And, uh, I wanted to know how difficult it was to do. And so I learned a lot and, and I have a lot of data now about the QSL process and how much money can be raised from doing that, um, it's. I was really surprised. Uh, for instance, uh, we had sent out all of the QSOs and uploaded them to LOTW, and uh, we had seventy-five thousand QSOs from Palmyra, and over uh, almost forty-five thousand have been confirmed by LOTW now, in just uh, you know a couple of months. Isn't that remarkable? No, uh, the percentage of active hams that have uh, that are on LOTW. Uh, I looked back. At some of the previous DX expeditions, this is the highest percentage I've ever seen. It's remarkable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been uh, school. We've been uh, watching LOTW like every day, trying to, <laughs> We're still trying to get our uh, CQ worldwide uh, contacts confirmed uh, on on some of those because uh, we're closing in on DXCC and and. Uh, mm-hmm it's it's been uh, been incredible how many we've been able to uh, to do that way, and um, it makes uh, makes our lives a lot easier. so yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's being successful. Well, you know,
1: you think about the cost for hams uh, for postage and uh, the most the highest cost is somebody actually sending a QSL card to the QSL manager and then for them to process the card. it It, it is so much work. And LOTW is by far the easiest, and I I know that it's it's, it's also the least expensive. But I also know that uh, people want a card, and I appreciate that. Um, So the OQRS systems that have been created, I think, have been a godsend because of the cost of postage. Um, um, I would prefer not to get a card and have to look up all the data when the data can be matched right online and then just receive a, a confirmed ADIF file that I can uh issue a card and mail it to the person. Uh it's a much very effective. We can do I'll bet you we could do uh a thousand QSL cards by a OQRS for the same amount of work that we would do for two hundred and fifty cards direct. It's just uh, so much more work and uh at a higher cost per per card. So OQRS has really been a, a good thing too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well tell us a little bit about the the island itself and about your um stations
1: there at uh at K five P Well this this was idyllic. Um it's hard to believe. Uh you know, a lot of times people would think of Tahiti or some place like that as a a, a destination location that would just be a, a beautiful place to go. But I would cast Palmyra Atoll in that same category. And what's so remarkable about this is that in World War II, it was a, a Navy base. And uh, I actually have pictures in part of my PowerPoint presentation uh, of the the island was almost stripped. And uh, they built an airstrip. Actually, that airstrip still exists. And it was uh, many, many buildings and uh, several thousand soldiers or Navy people and engineers and support staff and there was hardly any uh, palm trees or anything like that on the on the entire entire island and uh, they had uh, they actually had uh, cleared a, a channel, dredged a channel so that large ships could come in and, and dock and bring supplies and then get back out Um and you contrast that today to just a beautiful place. Now I have to tell you, if you walk into the jungle, you might run into a jeep that's uh, been that was left from World War II era, or buildings that are covered in vines. Um, that might be a generator building, or was a, maybe an old barracks, underground barracks. Um, so uh, it's, it takes you back in history. All you have to do is just get off the beaten path a little bit. But when you, we actually, I got to tell you, it was a complete surprise to us. Um, we, you can look online and you can try to find out about Palmyra. And you, if you look, you'll find out that um, of course, fish and wildlife controls the area. But in fact, the nature conservancy owns uh, a significant portion uh, of the atoll. And so, in the, in the area that they control, um, they have built uh, cottages, uh, little huts uh, in the palm trees, and they uh, have a research area um, that people from universities will come and do different research for several weeks at a time during the, uh, usually about April 1st on until into the later fall. Um, they do research projects, and it might be on island or it might be in the coral or something that they're studying, whether it's weather or uh, environmental aspects of uh, testing that they want to do. So they have, uh, so they spent a lot of the time that we were, in the period of the time that we were there, uh, there there were six people there uh, doing work, maintenance work, building, uh, cleaning, rehab of different things. And the place really was spotless. So we land on this beautiful runway. They meet us. They actually threw out a red carpet for us when we landed. And the population at the time before we landed was six. And then with our nine, it was 15. And they had a little greeting sign that said population 15 for us. <laughs> <clears throat> and so you walk through the, they let us in uh, kind of a walkway through a uh, palm trees and uh, right next to the lagoon, I'll call it, which was just shallow water. Um, uh, shallower water, and, of course, you could see it. You could, it's as clear as can be, so you could see sharks and different things, uh, uh, sea life uh, swimming right next to you as you walked along. And uh, so then they'd say, well, here's your cabins, and they assigned a cabin to us. And each of us had our own at the time, but each each actually had uh, two beds so two people could stay in one of these little huts. But, you know, they're just really basic. And uh, and then we had a meeting, and they told us. And they, this meeting was held in a kitchen, uh, kind of a dining area, and that overlooked the the lagoon. And that's every day was important in terms of we met there for our meals. We had a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and if any conversation was had with everybody, uh, that was expected to happen at that time. So. You can imagine uh, uh, there's a laundry and showers. There were, uh, 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 of course, uh, toilets and that sort of thing. Uh, But so we were kind of civilized way more than we expected. But uh, some of these buildings were constructed even clear back uh, in the 70s. There was uh, there were buildings. uh, There was actually a murder, a famous murder that was on the island um uh, had occurred and uh we in the lagoon is where the people that had their boat were uh they have a, they have a famous swimming hole and those that's where the, the those people had tied up there and those were the people that were docked and and the people that were uh accused of the murder we found out where they had docked and so we were kind of able to walk around and and be part of what we'd read about um uh So it was just. There's a lot of history here, but it's a very quiet, eerie place. Some people think it's uh, spooky and has different uh, uh, paranormal connotations associated with it. But I got to tell you, I just considered it a paradise. I think all of us did. Um, But uh, we ended up operating uh, out of a research lab that was vacant. It was very nice. Uh, completely unexpected that we would have access to such a nice facility, but uh, like I said, they maintain this very well. Now the island, um, you had it, obviously at night it's very dark. There are there are no lights, um, so when you walked around, you had to have a headlamp or a flashlight, and you had to watch out for crabs because there were crabs everywhere, and it was dangerous for both the crab and you if you should step on them. So uh that's one thing that you'd uh, that you sh- would not want to be surprised about if you were to visit the island and then they showed us the cane spiders which are about the, as big as your palm of the your hand and evidently they don't bite but they are sure scary and i i had one in my uh, hut and you're not going to keep them out of anything but um they were around um of course one of the things that uh, we found out about that they had gotten rid of all the rats, and they the rats used to be really bad there, and we never once they have rat uh, traps everywhere, but they haven't seen a rat in uh, a couple of years. Um, they said the the rats were so thick that they used to be hanging in the palm trees, eating the eat, eating the coconuts. And they were just uh, – I forget the number of how many there were per square meter or square or whatever, uh, but th- it was just ridiculously bad. And I'm cl- so glad that they got rid of them. But um, yeah, this absolutely. is basically uh, – if something gets introduced there that's not supposed to be there, there's no – it doesn't have its uh, counter to get rid of it. So they're very careful of – in other words, when we uh, arrived on the island, we had to have our clothing frozen and uh, – things like that so we'd make sure that we didn't bring in any seeds or or any uh, bugs or spiders with us that might cause uh, another problem for them so they were they're very careful about the the, the the balance of nature on the island um, they had some trails that you could walk um, and they, they they you could walk through the islands and and you could see a lot of the World War two uh you know where where uh, they had taken the coral and piled it up and leveled it off, and they had uh, had officers' quarters and things like that. You could see gun mounts uh, that had fallen into the ocean. Um, a lot of this had was now sunken. Uh, the ocean was taking it back, um, but you could see a lot of these things. Um, and so we enjoyed. You know, if we had a had any time, we we could go for a walk. But with our operating schedule, actually, uh, especially the first few days where you're setting everything up and you're you're so eager to get on the air and, and work as many people as possible, um, our schedule would, was actually three hours on and, and then, or excuse me, four hours on and then eight hours off and then four hours on. And we had uh, three teams of three that would do that. And then we'd get to a three hour on and six hour off and then our time would shift so that we all had a chance to... Uh, operate at different times and, uh, uh, see what different propagation was during the day and be on different bands. So, uh, you can see that if your eight hours was in the middle of the day, you might not get any rest just because of the, your body clock. But, uh, so sometimes we'd walk around and, and, uh, t- take a look at things, uh, or we'd be working on tennis and fixing things. But, uh, that was a uh, surprise. Um, uh, to see how nice it was and how, uh, the food was good. They treated us well. Um, and we actually had chores. We always, we had to pitch in. We didn't know any of this ahead of time. We just, uh, but we were glad to do it. Um, at, we, we were expected to clean up the kitchen and uh, clean the restrooms and clean the showers and all of the other things we, we even one day had, a, we took a, a break off the radio and helped rake, uh, they normally get a lot of rain there, um, and they were actually surprised while we were there that we didn't get as much rain. Uh, but it's uh, nice to as, have
0: all of those things there. Yes, th- so that you can <laughs> you don't mind cleaning of what you have the, all those 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 things there that uh, you don't have on on other trips. So
1: yeah, oh, it was oh yeah compared to a lot of them this was. Uh, a very pleasant experience there, you know, compared to Navasa last year where it was a deserted island with, it's a, you know, it's actually desert and, uh, there's no water, uh, no food. So this flies in contrast to that, but just so you know, uh, we had to pay them to get the food there, uh, you know, and we had to pay them so much a day per person for our quarters. And, uh, the reason is, uh they you know it's we're a burden to them uh, so we had to make uh, there's a fee associated with doing these things we had to pay for the flight in the flight had to be approved so but like i said there was uh, we didn't have uh it was hard to set the expectations but it was way better than a lot of the expeditions i'll put it that way yeah. very um, nice sounds
0: like it was it really was. Well, we're way over, so I need to uh, take a break here. But We'll okay. be back with uh, more from Craig Thompson, K9CT, and your chance to call in right after this word from the Ham Station here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by the Ham Station. For 35 years, the Ham Station has brought new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to the amateur radio community. Give Jeff or Dan a call at one 800 729 Four three seven three, or order online at hamstation.com. Hamstation carries all the major brands like Icom, Yaesu, and Kenwood. Shop from a wide selection of radio scanners, MFJ accessories, Heil Sound products, Mirage and Ameritron amplifiers, cushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online shopping and fast shipping are waiting for you at hamstation.com or call one eight hundred seven two nine four three seven three the ham station proud to sponsor this episode of ham talk live join the conversation call us on voice with skype at ham talk live or give us a call at 812 net ham 1 that's 812-638-4261 now here's more ham talk live welcome back to ham talk live thanks to the support of the ham station for bringing you ham talk live give Jeff and Dad, a call at 800-729-4373. Craig Thompson, K9CT, is our guest this evening, talking about the Palmaura D-Expedition. And uh, we want to start taking calls now, so it's time to call. Give us a call. The best way to do that is Skype. Call in at Live, Or you can call us by telephone. It's 812-NET-HAM-1. 812-NET-HAM-1. Give us a call and ask your questions to... Uh, Craig Thompson, K nine CT. So, um, a couple of things that we were going to talk about real quick: uh, the uh, stations on the island and uh, some of the interference problems you
1: ran into. Yes, thanks, uh, Neil. Um, actually, we planned the st- stations very early based upon the number of people we're going to have and and the loc- and uh, how much of a site layout we we'll, we would have on the island and. So a lot of planning goes into that. Um, we were limited by fish and wildlife as to what antennas we could have because of the birds. Uh, they wanted us to be very careful about using horizontal antennas. So uh, primarily, uh, well, I would say entirely, uh, we used stepper vertical antennas, and we had a um, a Battle Creek special for 160, and we uh, created an 80-meter uh, vertical using a Uh, a spider pole and uh, we were we put them as close to the lagoon as possible Uh, so we uh, we had uh, actually three stepper 80 through uh, 10 meter verticals uh, separated by probably a football field in three directions and so that would allow at least three stations to be on at the same time and because we were in the same location we knew we couldn't be on the same band so we wouldn't be on CW and sideband on 20 meters at the same time uh, because we'd end up burning up the front end of a radio. So anyhow, Stepper was one of our sponsors, and that was a great thing because that uh, gave us a lot of versatility. And the Battle Creek Special, of course, comes from Battle Creek, Michigan, and some guys up in that area, w 8 uvzk 8 gg who uh, make sure that the expeditions get these antennas. Um, and then uh, we had an all-Elecraft setup. up. Uh, in fact, we are very fortunate. we ended up with the K3S, which is their newest model. and uh, we interface those with the computers and with their new USB interfaces, they have a codec and we were able to do RIDI and CW and uh, very easily using the, the new interface on the K3S. So we had some uh, we actually took uh, uh, stations for four. Uh, so we could do four setups. Um, you'll notice that we had three operators on at a time. So the four station was actually a six-meter beacon that we ran the entire time. It was our spare radio, and uh, and then we had comp- uh, we had a network computer system for all the logging. So that was our layout, and we everything was in close, fairly close proximity to this uh, lab that I was talking about. And we tried to keep keep as many antennas on the water as possible so that we get the best effect. Uh, the enhancement from the water. Uh, we had one special antenna that we had set up for Europe on 20 meters. It was uh, SVDA, which is uh, provides two. It's a two vertical uh, elements uh, with gain, and we set that up t- to go to Europe because we, it, for Europe it's a very difficult path. It's over the over the pole. Um, when uh, we talk about uh, interference, of course, the first thing a lot of DXers Think about is the intentional de- de- interference that might occur. Um, there was also some interference that we had from, uh, we'll call it the Chinese Dragon radar, and I think you might have some audio of that. Yeah, I have. A, and,
0: I have a clip of that. We'll play that here. Okay. Sure. And then
1: perfect European opening on RTTY. We've been running many,
0: many European stations, and look what we get. All of a sudden, we get radar. It just wipes out the band from one side to the other.
1: Well, that, as you can see, was a showstopper. Uh, when that came on, uh, you tried to find a place where the radar was not. Um, we could actually, because Europe was so rare, sometimes this would occur, right, when we just got that great opening to Europe, and it would only last maybe half an hour or 45 minutes, and all of a sudden that would come on, and now you're done. Uh, so you needed to move to another band or someplace where the radar was not operating. Um we are very cautious about uh, DQRM. Uh, we know that a lot of it is caused by frustration, and our operator. We thought we had a really good team of operators, and when you keep the QSO rates high and people have a, a, a good feeling that they're going to get in the log, uh, they d- generally the level of frustration is reduced. So we try to make sure we ran at a very good clip and uh, get get as many people in the log as possible, and we think we did that. Um, the, the other interference we had was mostly on the low bands, uh, 80 and 160. And uh, I, I didn't say this, but I, about nine months prior to us arriving, they had installed uh, solar power and batteries and inverters for powering the, the little camp uh, that we were staying at. And so in the building that we were on, there were inverters all along the very top. And I mean, I mean, uh, solar panels along the roof, and then in the adjacent building there were inverters, and we we kept wondering what what all the noise was. Well, I borrowed the, I, we could actually see it on the Ellicraft P3, uh, which is a, a band scope that we could see some very unusual noise. So I, they had an AM radio, and I went around with this AM radio, and I found that it was all of these inverters. So we had a sponsor. Uh, our, our, um, Array Solutions out of uh, Texas, who had uh, loaned us uh, an SAL uh, 30, which is a receiving antenna, and we set that up about two or three hundred feet away in an open area, and we virtually eliminated. Any of the noise issues, so we are very excited that we thank goodness we brought along that antenna because it made all the difference in the world. So I highly recommend anybody make sure you (laughs) got a good receive antenna and you get it away from the noise because it really was it made a big difference for us. Like it's a lifesaver. Okay, yes. I
0: need to take another quick break, and then we'll be back with more with uh, Craig Thompson right after this from Tower Electronics. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978, bringing connectors, antennas, cables, and other parts to the world. Scott and Jill travel the country bringing their store to you at HamFest, but you can also order online at pl-259.com or by calling 920 920- 435 Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and in connectors, audio cables, mobile antennas, and hamsticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even in use on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics is a dealer for MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro technologies. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. If a man says something in the woods and there are no women there, is he still wrong? You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. And thanks to Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show. Don't miss Jill at the Mobile, Alabama Ham Fest on Saturday visit their website at pl-259.com. Craig Thompson, K9CT is with us, and we just have a couple of minutes uh, here. uh, Craig, so uh, what else can you you tell us about your experience from
1: Palmyra? Well, I'd say that it, it was obviously a success, and a lot of that has to do with the team of operators that we brought along. Everybody pitched in, and um, everybody carried an equal load and did a, a super job. So I'd highly recommend that uh, you take a look at our website and see who they are. You probably know a lot of my, my our, the co-leader was uh, Lou N2TU. And uh, he, he is just a terrific guy and did a, a lot of the work. He got the permissions and he did all of that. And I congratulate him for uh, his, the part he brought to the, uh, the table. Um, so it was just a great team effort. Uh, like I said, we made 75,000 QSOs. It was really not very easy the very, the first week because propagation was difficult. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, geomagnetic disturbance, uh, uh, and, and so you know what that means. There's just more absorption and it made it more difficult, but, uh, uh, as we got into the second week, conditions improved, and uh, we got a lot of uh, more, especially Europeans in particular, because it was so difficult of a path through the auroral oval. Um, so uh, we we felt that we had made a huge dent. Obviously, we were in, at, at number nine most wanted uh, location, and we wanted to make sure that because it may not, there may not be another de-expedition there for another 10 years. So we wanted to make sure that anybody that really needed it, we got them in the log. And, and I can tell you, we, especially uh, several stations in Europe, we worked very hard to get them in the log. And uh, we, it might have taken several days, but uh, inevitably we got them in the log on some band somehow. So uh, from that standpoint, it was very successful. Uh, the equipment got back. Um, I, we uh, the sponsors were terrific. Uh, we, uh, please support our sponsors. That without them uh, donating and allowing us to uh, use their uh, great equipment, these things wouldn't happen. Because you can imagine the cost. Uh, the, the, I mean, these are expensive anyhow. But the co- the additional cost it would be without our sponsors. Sure. Uh, we are out. We are out of
0: time. Uh, okay, but, Craig. Thanks and thanks to all the listeners out there. And we'll see you next week.